Um, so excited to be here with you guys in person and online. Hey, how's it going? Um, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Katie, and I'm a youth pastor here at Obi Joyful Church. So this group of hooligans over here is my responsibility. Um, you're welcome, and I'm, I'm sorry for that. Um, but yeah, before, before we get started and dig in, I know we've prayed a lot this morning, but I'm just going to ask that you guys bow your heads with me one more time and pray, please. Lord, um, we just ask that you be in this space. Um, Lord, I ask that, that you help um, give me the words to say and give us all ears to hear. Um, and that, you, that your goodness can be received and hearts can be open to, to hearing all that you have to say, Lord. Yeah, we just, we thank you for the fact that you are the reason that we are here and you are the reason that we do all things. Yeah, Lord, just, just guide us and be with us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, so last week, Scott stood up here and he talked about um, the promise of the Messiah. And if you missed it, I highly recommend checking that out. You can go onto our website where all of our um, videos are on. And also, quick little plug, in case you guys didn't know, Tyler every week makes all of our sermons into podcast. So if you want to download that and then go ski and have Scott in your ear, you could do it, you know? <laughs> um, all right, cool, moving on. So um, I get the immense pleasure this morning of talking to you guys about the hope of the Messiah. Um, and what a year it is to be talking about hope. I can't remember a time in my entire life um, where, as a world and as a community, we have been so desperate for hope. Um, a time when, as a community, we've all found ourselves looking around, asking why, um, asking how, and, and, and wondering what we're supposed to do now. Um, I think that in uncertainty, which this long year has been very full of, I think that in in that uncertainty, we're all searching for hope. And Christmas seems to be a time that's all about hope. Uh, quick disclaimer for you guys, I want to be really clear. I love Christmas a lot. Um, my family, we're really, really big Christmas people. Uh, my mom has even been talking about writing a book full of all of our Christmas traditions. Uh, every year we don't buy gifts, we hand make them. We wear the matching pajamas. My dad on Christmas Eve reads all of us, you know, um, the night before Christmas story before he tucks us in and we go to bed. Um, and today, I had to practice a lot of self-control not to wear my Santa sweater and have my Christmas mug, but I was told that might be distracting from the message, so uh, I, I didn't. But um, anyways, yeah, my family, really, really big Christmas people, and we have one rule that we've always followed, um, and we've never, ever broken this rule. It's that... All things Christmas have to wait until the day after Thanksgiving. All things. That's the way it works. But this year, some people in my family, they broke that cardinal rule. And I'm not going to drop names because they're watching online, but you know who you are, and you know what you did. Um, but they, they broke this rule, and at first I was so confused. Like, why would you change things up? That's how we've always done it. Um, but then I started to really think about it, and I think that that this year specifically was just a year where we were all ready for that extra burst of um, joy and happiness and peace and hope 
that the Christmas season seems to bring. So let's just go ahead and uh, look at that scripture that Andy just did a great job of reading for us today. Um, I want to I give you guys some background so you know where in the story we are um, currently. So, so we have Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, and they have um, no children. Uh, we're told that they have, um, that they're really old and that she's been told she was barren and that they will never have kids. Um, and so after trying to get pregnant for a really long time, they had finally just given up. <laughs> do, you, do you guys think that we can relate here in some way? Um, have you ever been in a situation that was completely and utterly hopeless? Um, have you ever... Um, been somewhere where the, the fog of suffering is so dense that you could not possibly see how the circumstances you are in could lead to something good. So that's where, that's where Elizabeth was at this point in her life. And in the beginning of Luke 1, um, Zechariah, he's chosen to enter the temple to burn some incense. And as he goes into that temple, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. So if you want to flip back um, just a little bit to Luke 1, 11 through 14, It says, And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. The the angel goes on later in Luke 1, 17, to tell Zechariah that, his son John will prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. Uh, when John first hears this, um, he doubts, as I think most of us would. And after that doubt, he is muted until the day that his son is born. So he cannot speak at all. Uh, when he's trying to communicate with his friends and family, he has a tablet where he writes things down for months and months until his baby is born. And the day that Elizabeth uh, can have, has the baby comes out and people are asking what his name's going to be. And Elizabeth says John, and everyone's really confused because that's not a family name, and in that time that didn't make sense. You know, you named them after people in your family. And so they ask Zechariah, and on his tablet he writes down John. And as soon as he writes that down, he's given his voice back. And the very first thing he does is he is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he begins to prophesy. And so that's what we're looking at this morning is is we're going to be spending time studying Zechariah's prophecy. And in regular sermon fashion, uh, we're going to have three main points this morning. First point being the need for hope. Second point being the promised hope. And third, living in hope. Uh, So beginning with need for hope. I think we can, like I said, all somewhat relate to Elizabeth and her her needs. Um, she had, been, she had been deemed barren and had come to believe that she was unable to bring any life into this world. Um, this year, uh, for me, and I think, I think for all of us, honestly, it's been a year of being so overwhelmed by how much we are in desperate need of Jesus. I think um, that's why I get so sucked into all the Hallmark movies that come out this time of year. <laughs> um, and I, I know that every movie is basically the exact same um, plot and the exact same actors, just like in a different little cute small town somewhere in the U.S., um, but I love them. 
And I think I love them so much because they are stories of redemption and stories of hope. And even though they're really cheesy, they, they fill me with a little bit of happiness. Um, and I think, uh, especially this year, when the news seems to be constantly filled with bad news, I, I relish the opportunity to escape into that, that little cheesy, happy bubble. Uh, we, we need hope. And even though those Hallmark movies make me happy, that's, that's not the true hope that we actually need. Um, we need. We need Jesus. And we need the hope that he brings. We're in, we're in such desperate need of that hope that it, it hurts, you know? And... And that's because we, we are a broken and lost people living in a broken and a lost world. And we're all, we're all the same. We're all broken. Uh, no, one, no one is more broken than the next, and no one needs Jesus more or less than the next. Uh, all you have to do is uh, turn on the news for five minutes, scroll on Instagram or TikTok, you know, um, to see, see how broken this world is and see how much we need him. Uh, yet we read, we read here in Luke 1, 68, uh, that God has visited and redeemed his people. That means that in this world of uncertainty, we get to operate in the knowledge that he is certain. I can't really say it better than uh, Charles Spurgeon when he said, I have a great need for Christ and I have a great Christ for my need. If we, if we believe in the truth and the value of Scripture, if we, if we look to it for guidance and understanding, then we really don't have to spend a lot of time searching to see that it is riddled with verses talking about God's greatness and our utter and complete dependence upon him. For, for a quick example, just look at John 15, 5, where it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Uh, apart from him, we can do absolutely nothing. All we have to do uh, to be reminded of this is look at all of the really beautiful Christmas trees we have in our houses right now. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you are going to be able to relate to this experience I'm about to share, but recently... Uh, me and some really wonderful friends drove up Kebler to go cut down our own Christmas trees. And um, as I was trying to cut it down with a hatchet, so it took some time, but I'm, I'm cutting this tree down, and all of a sudden I was made aware of the fact that I was killing it. <laughs> and I know you're probably having two reactions. You're probably thinking, um, Katie, that's really morbid. Why are you talking about killing trees right now when you're preaching? Or you're thinking, Katie, you're 26 years old. How are you not aware that Christmas trees, when you cut them down, they die? Uh, but in my defense, normally I go and I buy a tree that someone else has cut down, so I hadn't had that experience, and I just had not really thought about it. Anyways, so, so we cut down these trees, we take them home, we put them in a tree stand, and we fill this stand with water. Um, and it lasts, you know, for like a month, maybe a little more if we're really lucky and, and, and water it a lot. Um, but then... The Christmas season ends, and the tree dies because it's been cut off from its life source. It's been cut off from its roots. And so it dies, and, and here, a lot of us, you know, we pile them in our cars, we drive them to the four-way, and we burn them. 
Or I recently learned from Alec that you can actually replant the Christmas trees, which is super cool. Um, you bring them back to that life source and they're able to, to reconnect and, and regrow and thrive. But regardless, they can't survive if they're not planted in the ground. They, they won't last. And that's, that's how we are. Um, we try to live without Jesus. Um, we try to feed off of the things of this world that make it seem like we don't need him. But in the end, without Jesus, we are just like a Christmas tree that has been cut off from its roots. We can, we can make it for a while and we can seem like we're surviving, but we're, we're not really living. We are just uh, people searching and looking around for something to fill us up. We fill our little tree stands with whatever we can find, whatever feels good in the moment, and, and whatever is of this world that can make us feel whole. But in the end, it won't last. Um, we can only truly survive if we are connected to our creator. So that's our, that's our need for hope that's really apparent. Um, but now let's go ahead and move on and look at that, look at that promised hope. What's really amazing is that uh, our need for hope, our desperate need for a Messiah, is a need that is met. Uh, it is a hope that was promised and is fulfilled in Jesus. Uh, we, we need only to look at the fact that Elizabeth became uh, pregnant with John the Baptist <laughs> to see that, that the Lord answers our prayers in bigger and better ways than we could have ever expected. Um, she, she wanted just to get pregnant, and then she's pregnant with <laughs> the prophet that is going to lead the way for the Messiah that comes and redeems the world. Uh, even larger than, than that prayer being answered through Elizabeth's barren womb, we see a larger, larger promise being fulfilled when Zechariah speaks of the promise that was made to Abraham. Uh, the Lord made this promise, this, this covenant with Abraham, way, way back in Genesis. Zechariah talks about this covenant in his prophecy, so if you'd like to look again with me at Luke 1, 71 through 74 that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy promises to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. Zechariah, um, he's talking about how through the coming of Jesus that, that promise made to Abraham is being answered. The promise that had uh, filled people with hope and awaiting is being fulfilled by the coming of the Messiah. You see, um, Jesus' coming, it was not some unexpected gift. Uh, Jesus' arrival had been talked about and prophesied about from the very beginning of time. It wasn't a surprise, but instead it was this fulfillment of the long-awaited promise. And we get to live in the aftermath of that fulfillment uh, yeah, when we, when we look towards the cross, we get to see that God answers his promises. Uh, we allow our faith to be strengthened by the certainness of who he is. Uh, but, you know, what's, what's really amazing, and I'd be, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about it this morning, is that this, the fulfillment of this promise is not dependent on us at all. We have nothing to do with it. <laughs> Um, we did and, and actively do nothing to deserve this. When, when God sent his son 
to earth to live a perfect, sinless life and then to die on the cross for us. It wasn't because of anything we did to be worthy of it. Um, yeah, we did and do nothing to deserve this freedom and this hope that we get to live in, which means, guys, it means that we can't do anything to mess it up. <laughs> that is what Advent season is all about. It's about celebrating the fact that, that God, the creator of all the universe, says yes to us. That our confidence is that he says yes to us. Our, our faith is in his, his yes to us as human, the human race and to us individually. That should be our rock that we stand on even when everything else is stripped away. Our rock is the cross. Even when our faith is weak, and to be honest, I find myself um, in that place more often than I'd like to admit. But even when, even when our faith is weak, God's promise remains strong. His promise is strong even in our weakness. Colossians 1, 15 through 17 reads, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In him all things hold together, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. In him this promise is fulfilled, and we get to live in freedom rather than in fear. It's through Jesus who sacrificed his life on the cross that we get to live in the knowledge that we are so unbelievably, unfathomably loved. That we are the unworthy who have been deemed worthy. We live in the freedom of the hope that the Messiah has brought. And that's exactly what I'm so excited that we get to talk about this morning. So... Finally, let's talk about living in that hope. Uh, so what, is it, what does it look like to actually actively live in that hope that has been fulfilled in his promise to us? Uh, to live in the understanding that Jesus changes everything. Once more, let's hop back and look at the last couple of verses um, from our main passage today. Luke 1, 78 through 79. It says... Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Isn't that just beautiful? <laughs> um, I'm going to read that one more time so we can really just meditate on what this is saying and let that sink into our hearts. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. These, these verses are describing the world that we get to live in because of Jesus. Uh, we get to live in this sunrise that our tender God has cast upon us. Living in an existence where we are basked in his, in his goodness and his grace uh, where we get to walk in relationship with our creator, <laughs> to know him 
and to be known by him. I think that living in hope, um, living in this true hope from Jesus, not the hope that I get from all the Hallmark movies I'm watching, but that true hope, living in that hope, is what gives us the peace that guides our steps. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. We get to abound in hope because we have hope in him who we need and in him who answers promises. We get to live in a relationship with the God who brings life even to barren places. We saw him create life through Elizabeth's womb. Um, And when he creates, we see him create life in this world that is desolate. Just like her womb, this earth was a place that couldn't create true life. until the coming of Jesus, and because of him, we get to live a life in that freedom. Now, I do, I do want to be really, really clear here, and, and, and not let there be any confusion. Um, this is not me saying that life with Jesus means everything um, on this earth is going to be perfect. Um, it, it, it means that even in the tough times, even in the rough times, even when everything is uncertain, we are never alone that he is with us, that we are walking alongside with our creator. As uh, Tim Keller wrote, the basic premise of religion, that if you live a good life, things will go well for you, is wrong. Jesus was the most morally upright person who ever lived, yet he had a life filled with the experience of poverty, rejection, injustice, and even torture. So I'm not saying that if you believe in Jesus, all the darkness of the world will go away and we'll all live in the end of one of those cheesy Hallmark movies. Um, Yeah, no, what I'm saying is that when we put our hope in Jesus, we're believing the truth that this is not our home. We get to live in an expectant posture of God's perfect eternal kingdom to come. Does that mean that the things happening around us don't matter? That we should just put blinders on to injustice and suffering? Absolutely not. Uh, On the contrary, it means that because of Jesus and we have eternal hope because of him, it's our responsibility to share it. We have the freedom to, to give that hope to others. This is a gift that we've been freely given and a gift that we are called to give. C.S. Lewis uh, put it beautifully when he wrote... Hope is one of the theological virtues. This means that a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking. But one of the things a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were those who thought the most of the next. Um. We don't need to live in hope only during the Christmas season. And, and this hope isn't something that we need to keep bottled up inside of ourselves. No, let's be a church, let's be a people who live every day in a way that shows the goodness of Christ. Let's, let's, let us be a people who actively share the hope of Jesus with everyone around us. Um, I'll go ahead and ask the worship team to make your way back up here as I begin to wrap up.
Um, and I want to end with a couple challenges for us today. Um, I ask that you really think about uh, how you are living in this hope. Are you a Christmas tree sitting in a stand full of uh, murky water, decorated to be beautiful, but not made to last? Are you living in a bold way that makes those around you feel the warmth and the hope of Jesus? And if not, how can you? Because the best gift that we could ever give someone is the knowledge that the God of all the universe looks at them and says that they are loved and that they are known. Um, Now, to close, I have one more quote um, because Karl Barth says it better than I could ever possibly find the words to say. It says, Indeed, the world is dark. Still, let us not lose heart. Never. There is still someone who reigns, not just in Moscow or in Washington or in Peking, but from above, from heaven. God is in command. That's why I'm not afraid. Let us stay confident even in the darkest moments. Let us not allow our hope to sink. Hope for all human beings, for all of the nations of the world. God does not let us fall, not a single one of us and not all of us together. Someone reigns. Thank you.